What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. were you when you started working for Mastro? 16. And I did that till I, I graduated. And you mentioned that it was supposed to be a couple times a week, but he'd call you back out of class. Do you remember about how long each session would be? The problem is that once the coke started coming, I really didn't remember a lot. And I've always yeah. wanted to know what was in those coke. And Abby has provided some information on that, but I really don't now how long but he could get me out of anything did you work for him up until the time you graduated i did were you getting paid for it i was how did that work out it worked out well i worked i got i had three jobs and then i worked full time during the summer all the time so i made a lot of money but he paid you out of his own pocket or from the school i don't know where the money came from i'm sure he had a budget I'm sure that it was cash, and I'm, I think it was cash, yeah. I, and I'm sure that some of those records are the ones that ended up with the grave digger, and I would think that they would be some of those records that went there. Was it just you and Masco during those times? Yes. Now, whether anyone else came in and whether I was not aware of that through drugging could be, but unlike Gene, I'm not aware of that. Right. After the coke happened. We Yeah, I, get, I definitely get that. Do you think that the documents that you wrote, do you believe that they were a part of the boxes in the cemetery? I would think there's a strong likelihood that they are. I think that I'm not quite sure why he was creating such documentation. It doesn't, to me, it doesn't really reflect well on him to be taking girls to the gynecologist. But for some reason, he was doing it. Right. But he was a sick man. So there was some, in some way that he was, this was making sense to him. In those moments when you started doing the dictation work for him, in your mind, do you think that the fact that he did have such the education in psychology, do you feel like that had some impact on you feeling like it, like the, the work that you were doing was okay? I do. And the other thing is that I grew up in a family that my father was very simplistic in terms of the way that he looked at Catholicism. It was the nuns and the priests said, you did it, you did it. And so there was a blind faith in the Catholic religion that permeated that generation and that was being handed down to us. That doesn't exist anymore, but that certainly did exist in his mindset. And so they could do no wrong. That was the way we were taught. I grew up as a little girl that wanted to be a nun. You know what I mean? We all did at one point. We really 
put them on a pedestal. And that was the way that he was able to run that school, the way that he was. He was not the principal. He was not in charge. But he was in charge because he browbeat every woman that was in that school. So that was the legacy, not only of that blind faith that allowed them to take people like me and do whatever they wanted with them, but also for him as a male and interacting with the females there to have that kind of power. He was just the chaplain. He was just the counselor. But in my Catholic faith, when I was in my grade school, the nuns all lived in a little cinder block house that was super tiny. And the priest lived in this huge house and he had three servants. So that's how I grew up, knowing how the men of the faith were treated and how the women of the faith were treated. So that's the way it was. Did he ever mention to you about his strong desire to know more about psychology? Because it seemed like he almost had an obsession with psychology. He didn't say that, but he certainly practiced it. Definitely, I was being psychoanalyzed, both in the tests that he gave me and the conversations that we were having. And definitely, he thought himself a practitioner and that he was good at it. And that's what he was here to do. That's what he was there to do, was to practice on the students. And I don't really think that he was, I mean, he didn't really have a degree, I don't think. Maybe, I'm not quite sure what his, what he had, but he really wasn't. Shane, correct me if I'm wrong, but he did have a degree in school counseling. Yeah, yeah, that's not real counseling. No, it's not. That's not counseling. And I'm wondering, yeah, I'm wondering, do you know if your sister... Was it Keo when he was still there? He left in 75. I think she was there, but she had no interaction with him. So he didn't seek her out? No. And you would have been like the fall of your junior year when Sister Kathy went missing and then later was yeah. found. Yeah. Did you ever make a connection between her murder and Maskell? Or where was your head on all that? I was a senior. You would have been a year behind me. I didn't really know about any abuse allegations. I wasn't even aware of my own abuse. It didn't even start to dawn on me until after I left Keo that something really wrong had happened there. And so it didn't know. I did not have any kind of clue as to what was going on. Did you know Kathy? No. You didn't have her for, you wouldn't have had her for class. No, I did not have her for any classes. And as I say, I was not aware of what was going on, even to myself. The detective came and knocked on the door, and I said, is it Renee? And he just gave me that solemn look. It was the worst day ever. The Proof Podcast is back with a new case and a new season. 23 years ago, 18-year-old Renee Ramos went missing. Her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town. I don't think that they arrested the right people. It's about time somebody's trying to do something. She had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered. They are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn near my whole life. You can listen now to season two of Proof, wherever you get your podcasts and follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee?
as we deep dive into these chilling tales. We all need a moment of escape, a way to unwind without the shadow of the night creeping in. Here's where Recess Mood comes in. Crafted with real fruit and infused with mood-lifting magnesium and stress-balancing aptogens, Recess Mood is your guilt-free retreat. With just 20 calories, no added sugar, it's not just a sparkling water. It's a sanctuary and a can. Imagine unwinding during a gripping episode of Foul Play with a can of strawberry rose, or my favorite, raspberry lemon, letting the stress melt away without the aftermath of alcohol. It's my little secret to staying balanced in the chaos of a busy life. You deserve a healthier way to unwind, to recharge, and to prepare for the next journey into the unknown with foul play. And for the devoted foul play listeners, you deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash Shane to get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. did speak with someone earlier in another podcast episode. She was also in the Keepers. She was the professor at the time. I believe she was at Loyola when Father Maskell started taking post-master classes. So I, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly, I believe he did have a master's degree, and he was yeah. expressing his interest in obtaining a PhD at some point, which okay. I don't believe he ever obtained that. The, the next question that I had was, what type of impact did your experience with Father Maskell have on your life? I just went into a tailspin after that, unlike the rest of my family that was, they had very normal lives, everything went well for them. I was the complete opposite. Quickly, very right after high school, I moved out. I quit college in the first semester. I married early and I married a person who was on their own, was another, was a renegade and running away from problems with their Catholic faith. He had been in the seminary and come out of the seminary, and his family was very disappointed with him. So we got married, knew very little of each other, and got married, and and then got divorced very quickly. And I ended up with a daughter, no support from him or anything like that, and just kept making mistakes, lots of mistakes. I was just, and I became just completely disassociated. I just, I was not emotionally there. I just felt like a split cell in in that I really couldn't connect with people. Very distant from my family for a very long period of time. He really did drive a wedge between uh, my parents and I. He was very effective at that. I did get, I went on like that for most of my 20s until I, I had two failed marriages actually, and then started going back to school and got a job with a good company, getting things, things were starting to get better. I did connect with Jean, and Jean and I had this realization that this terrible thing had happened to both of us. And that made me, it explained some things, that I wasn't alone, and that the thoughts that I have and some of these memories that kept haunting me, that there, it, and then things really began, took off in the 30, in my 30s, and I finished my degree and went on to my master's degree. I got a really great job and was really taken off and a really great husband, one that I have now, George, and really couldn't have been better. And then Jean called me about joining her in the lawsuit with her and Teresa. And then it's just, I said no, 
which I truly regret to this day. But I felt that to her for the first time, things are going well. Finally, my life's on track. I can't do this. I can't go back and relive all this and start digging all this stuff up. No sooner had I done that, but it, it was as if a Pandora's box had just been opened. And I just had just debilitating panic attacks and anxiety disorders. I could barely function. And I had one of the top jobs at a Fortune 100 company. I went to therapy. I got a really great psychiatrist and started down a path of 10 years of taking it all apart. I always felt terrible about not standing up with Jean and Teresa, and that I had abandoned them and not done what's right, which is really me where when the keepers came along and the Abby and everything, I knew I, I had to and um, do what was right this time because I felt so bad about what happened to Dean and uh, Teresa during the trial and how they had to go it alone. And there was really a good many of us that knew what had happened and hadn't stood. First of all, I'm going to vouch for your incredibly wonderful, sweet, adoring, talented, handsome husband. <laughs> For he the listeners out there, George George Nip is like the best guy in the whole world, and he plays guitar. And he hung out with my niece, who was trying to play the guitar. And <laughs> Lil, you hit the jackpot on him. He's just a really wonderful guy. You know that. I think right? for all the terrible things that happened to me in my life, that suddenly the skies opened, and they said, "Okay, we're going to give you a break here." But look at you, where you are. You're like so normal. You shouldn't say that. Well, yeah, I wouldn't say that. Um, but I'm extremely disassociative. Yeah, yeah. I can't say anything about that. But I do want to ask you what nobody is going to fault you ever, they better not, for turning down the request from either Jean or Teresa to get involved in that lawsuit because you had your own issues at that time. But I do want to ask you why you did decide to be part of the Keepers besides the fact that I dragged you into it. <laughs> Even in the middle of your arm surgery, I probably was too persistent. But can you talk a little bit about what made you decide to go ahead and be part of the series? I think when you have something like this in your path and you have an opportunity like the Keepers, it's a gift because first of all, when you try to tell people, and there's many times when I tried to tell people about the abuse, most people don't want to hear about it. You can see it in their eyes and they give you a look and it's, oh, you're going to tell me something horrible. Please don't. Please don't put that on me. And it really is putting something on them. When you share with them something horrible that has happened to you, then you transfer it to them. And I have done that before to people and stopped because I could see with, that it was going to hurt them to do that. The keepers, people believe us suddenly, where we see all around us when we hear people come out and share their abuse, how oftentimes they're told they're not believed, they're not credible, that didn't happen, and all this kind of stuff. But suddenly we were believed. And so that is the greatest gift that could ever happen to someone like me and the others that have had that because we struggle so much with the shame, with the silence, with the fact that we can't tell, yet we silently walk around wounded and not being able to bring it out. And it's only the light that can make it better for us. It's only telling our truth that can heal you because if you never 
say it, if you never bring it out, then there's this big part of you that no one ever knows about. And you can't ever, you can't ever be fully you. That was the greatest gift of, and I was petrified the entire time because of that, that shame. I've carried that shame my whole life, even though I didn't deserve to, even though it wasn't me, it doesn't matter. It's that thing that that happens to us when someone like him puts that on us. Now we carry it then and we carry it so long. And it's only, I think it's it certainly, I see time and again that it's women of our age that finally let it go and finally are ready to and get rid of it. But it, it should. And then the outpouring after keepers of so many women coming forward and praising me, it was almost painful to have that happen because I didn't want accolades or anything for it. I didn't want to be praised for it. I just wanted it to be known and it to be better so that other people would come forward and so that we all don't have to suffer and do all the time for something that wasn't our fault. It was the biggest gift. And I thank you, Gemma, for your part in bringing that all to I, I don't know who to thank for bringing you into my life. You, well, for, both you and George, I trust you implicitly. And I just, even though we don't see each other as often as I would like to, right. I feel so close to you both. And I think it's just because we have a lot of, you know, we bonded and we understand each other, but I appreciate that. Well, you've had a mediation settlement with the Archdiocese and you've actually met with Bishop Lori. Can you tell yeah. me a little bit about that? Yeah, I thought the mediation settlement was truly all. I really think there has to be a better way uh, to do it than the way that they did it. First of all, there is no mem- no clergy member there. You go around, you tell your story, and they sit there very quietly, and they all are very pious-looking and very sad-eyed, and they're rather sorry, but they, of course they don't admit that anything really happened. They won't do that, but they do all that, and it's lawyers, nothing but lawyers. And then after all that goes on, and then you separate into the other, this is the mediation part. Then when you go into the other rooms, and they're very careful before you get to the mediation part and the separation, that no amount of money can make this okay. Money can't make this okay. So, right? So they're very careful in saying that. And then at least with me, they came with our first offer was so rock bottom low. I sit. And I threw the thing on the floor and I just said, you insult me. And the, uh, and the mediator, the judge, couldn't have been a more gentle, nice man. And so I didn't mean it for him. Mm-hmm. For them to go through all those nice and flower language and then come back with something like that was just truly, and I made sure that they knew it. But then we go five hours back and forth and just this incrementalism where it's just, so, it's just you just fight for every inch. And of course, our situation with the lawyer that we had, he was just the worst. He just really was the worst. He was so disengaged. He never spoke up. He never did anything. He was, he just wasn't, he didn't fight for us at all. At one point in time, I said to him, you are going to say something, aren't you? You are going to say something on my behalf. Because he just said nothing. It was me speaking to them the entire time, fighting with them. That in and of itself, I thought, the way that they could improve it, first of all, was to have a priest there. To have someone, priest, say, we're sorry, we failed you. 
this was wrong. This should never have happened. But there is no one there. The only one they had was the uh, supervisor of child services or whatever. And that to me was just not high enough. But we overgo. We go five hours. We're into Friday night, rush hour, six o'clock. And it's just, it wears you down. That's all it is, just to wear you down until you will stop. And so I felt very used and abused after that. I felt disrespected. I felt this is all just a numbers game for them. And they will just keep on keeping on until they wear you out, And which is what they do. And it really made me feel horrible after that was over. And then, Lori, everyone had gotten a letter that said they have an opportunity to meet with Lori if they would like, and no one did. And so I thought, yeah, I do want to talk to him. And that same person, what is her name? Uh, Gemma, the one that's the supervisor of the child services. Like child Protective, Jerry Burkhart. Yeah, Jerry Burkhart. Yeah, the one she that sits on the, the opposite. Yeah, the one that sits opposite the client. Yeah, she was there with Lori and I. And we had a very long and contentious meeting. And I was angry. I let loose a torrent. I was very angry. I wasn't angry. I wasn't like yelling at him, but I was really angry. And I had a lot to say. And the first thing I said was, I want you to look at me. And I want you to look at me really closely because of this. I want you to have in your mind face of a mask. Because you've never seen one. I want you to have one in your face. And I want you to listen to me about my life and what has happened to me. And then so I just went off on a tear about everything that's happened and everything he did. And then I knew his background, of course. And he had been doing the same thing in another archdiocese, protecting the church and every, and all. And he was slippery and saying what he's going to say. And then I said to him at one point, when you get together with your bishop friend, they must be all high five in you. And he goes, why do you say that? I said, because you got off so cheap. You got off so cheap. They must be asking you, how did you do it? How did you do it? And he just got really super red in the face and everything. And he goes, I can assure you, no one's high five in me. And I got off cheap. And mm-hmm. I said, you did. You really. And I said, suppose someone committed uh, a the most heinous act you can think of against you and violated you in the most heinous way and then came to you and said to you, no amount of money is going to make up for this. So we just want to say we're sorry. $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up and I've already made around two, $300. You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earned from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code GAME to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. How would you feel about that? How would that make you feel? Mm-hmm. And he gets redder and redder. You know what I mean? I said, I 
ruined my daughter's life. I ruined my life. I'm still dealing with how I'm out of this. So I don't want to hear that crap from you when you say that. I, money does that. It can make up. I spent 10 years going to counseling, 10 years paying a psychiatrist. I have screwed my daughter's life up in more ways than I can count. I could do something for her with the money that you would give me. But go into mediation and it's push and pull for every single dime, every dime. You know, it said, I believe that if it was you in the seat, you would feel very differently if somebody had done to you what that was done to us. Sex trafficked us, raped us, drugged mm-hmm. us. And when we were teenagers, and so we're going on there, and he goes to me, what do you want from me? He goes, I was a teenager when this all happened. I said, Archbishop Lori, we're the exact same age. I bet your teenage years were a whole hell of a lot better than mine were. Lil, <laughs> are you aware that you are the only mediation client that we know of that actually met with him? Oh, I know. And do he you couldn't now, wait for me to leave. You know what? Right now, I don't know if you realize this, but everybody that's listening to this right now, they're all going, you go, girl, or they're <laughs> applauding you or clapping, I'm sure. I, I felt he like invited, I was saying it for everyone. He invited you. He, he, he did. The other thing I said to him was, I said, in a couple of months, a movie is coming out. A series is coming out. The Keepers. Have you heard about it? And this is in January before mm-hmm. it came out. And he goes, I think I've heard something. <laughs> and I said, you better get ready. And he says, what do you mean by that? And I said, you could be a hero. He goes, says, what does that mean? I said, you could release the document from Master and get ahead of this. And so that when it hits you, it's not going to be as negative as it's surely going to be. I said, I'm in PR and marketing, and I have defended my corporation from some really negative things. You're going to hit the wall when this thing comes out. So you could get ahead of it. He goes, I'm not interested in being in it. Has anybody invited that. you to run for office? <laughs> I'm serious. Oh, no, run with you or be your manager. We'd be great. <laughs> No. This is enough. It's too much. There's too much. I'm like, I sit and do art now. I don't have all that. Mm-hmm. He needed to get that out to him because he needed to. And so he needed to know it. Him sitting there in his little ivory tower, all way far away from the work they're doing down there with the mediations and all. He mm-hmm. needed to know it. It made me feel better when I walked out. I'm sure I would have too. I had a previous conversation with Sean Kane from the Archdiocese, and yeah. one of the things that he said about the mediation process, which I had never heard before, so I'm wondering if you can tell me if this was true or not, is that they understand the financial strain that getting an attorney that they require for a mediation, you had to have an attorney to enter into a mediation with them. He said that they give you the money separately from the settlement to pay for that attorney. Is that true? No. It comes out of your settlement. That's what I thought. Do you remember by chance the percentage that you have to pay the attorney out of the settlement? It's 29%. 
And when I remember he, that because it made me think that's almost a third. Yeah. Which is it's a bunch of crap is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. They don't pay for it outside. And they give you two years of counseling, mm-hmm. either even if you need more. So I only give you two years of counseling. They won't reimburse you for any counseling that you had before. Which is crazy because all of you that I've met have had to have therapy throughout your life because of what happened to you. Sure. And it's not retroactive, which is wrong. And it's all the at the age that we finally got to this mediation. Of course, we've all had to have counseling before. Yeah, he's here's the... uh, 29.5%. There you go. The other thing I thought was really strange is that the archdiocese offers free counseling for as long as you need it, as long as you use their pastoral counselors, which is saying, okay, we're going to have the people that did this to you counsel you. No, that's that's really ridiculous. How do we, how do we even answer that? Yeah. Mm. Where are you now in your life? Can you share with us, like, anything? Yeah, I feel pretty good right now. I think the the keepers did me a lot of good. It really set me free in a lot of respect. I am not the kind of person that am, I am not looking, keeping up with everything that is Catholic Church abuse related. I don't go delving for that all the time. I create a lot of art. I do that every day. I'm far more relaxed. And I feel like a a weight has been lifted off of my shoulders by virtue of having this out and having it, the story been told. I think that's because what happens with these kind of situations, it becomes a huge part of you. And to have to hide it, it's like you're not really being you when that occurs. And so it did be a huge favor by bringing it to light. This is a personal request, but once this is posted on the Out of the Shadows podcast page, would you be willing to send me some photos of your artwork so that other people can see what you're doing? Because I've had the privilege of receiving cards from you that you've created, and you were here at my home, and we sat, we drew, and we sang to Pandora, and it was (laughs) so mellow. And I just think people would truly appreciate being able to see the gift that you give all of us. Among many others. So, yeah, if you could make me some photos and then I can post those. Are you selling any of your artwork? No, I might do it later on in the year. I'm just trying to get develop a muscle about it where I'm sitting down every day and doing it. So, I'm creating just a lot of pieces and then I'll see where I get after that. But just for the joy of it and the peacefulness that I get from it, and it makes me happy. Isn't retirement wonderful? <laughs> I know. It's yeah. what I always dreamed of doing. I always wanted, yep. I started out life as an artist and so mm-hmm. now I'm ending it up. It's fun. And I met your wonderful brother-in-law. He framed uh, two of my paintings. Oh, so good. That was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Our studio, everybody. Wonderful. I'm glad you met him. Yeah. Um, and is there anything at all that you would like to say? Any message, any words of wisdom? suggestion, recommendation for anybody that might be listening? Yeah, I think that when women step forward in in these kind of situations, I mean, it it is with a lot of pain and it is with a lot of, it takes a lot to get them there. So 
I'm always, it's always so painful when people will say things like that never happened or why didn't you come forward a long time ago and all this kind of stuff. But they hope that they, when all the kindness and love that has been shown to all of us through the keepers, I hope that people will keep that in their mind when they hear of other people coming forward and extend that same love to them because the scary and shameful thing that that people have to go through in order to the light. And so that's what I would say. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.